You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore that am. I want so desperately to just not do this segment. I want, it's one of those things where I know I'm probably going to delete this like 500 times. I'm going to say stuff I wish I didn't say. I'm going to, after I say it, I'm going to be like, just, you should have just ignored it, man. You just keep it light, man. People just want to tune in on a Saturday and it's, Light and happy and fluffy, and we just talk Packers and Bears suck and ha 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 ha. But I, I can't. And then I try to talk like, well, just say the I. I gotta say what I gotta say, and that's just I've always I've always kind of been that way, and that's what we're gonna do. I'm gonna try to calm down a little bit, and then I think what I'm gonna do for the sake of transitioning into being something a little bit more light is we'll probably take a break real early. So I'm gonna get it off my chest. We'll take a break and we'll move on. That's the plan, and I'm, I'm going to do, we'll see how it goes. But I want to talk about this Richard Sherman situation for a second. I wouldn't feel the need to do it if I wasn't so disgusted with all the comments I'm seeing on social media. And it's not disgusting in the way that you probably think, in, in the way that all the comments say, oh, I can't believe these comments. I would say 90% of the comments that I'm seeing are vehemently and violent, violently in defense of Richard Sherman and what he did. And the key buzzword here is mental health. Mental health, mental health, mental health. And, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to be honest, and I, I know this is going to sound insensitive, but I don't want to hear about mental health in this instance at all. I don't care. And I'm really sick to death of people running out there trying to score social points by acting all up, uh, you know, tolerant and accepting of people with so- mental health issues because it's a big buzzword today. And, 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 and really, that's all social media is, especially Twitter, and it's kind of annoying and, and boring. But at this particular point in time, considering the circumstances, I can't just brush it off as, man, people on social media are stupid. I can't brush it off. I'm so glad that you're a very compassionate person. That's very good. I'm, I'm, I'm happy. But what bothers me is that it seems like we don't actually have a moral compass anymore. We don't have this just natural instinct that tells us when things are right and when things are wrong. And so we have to rely on these rules that get made up. And and, um, one of the most important moral rules right now is that mental health is the most important thing in the world. And if somebody's having issues, they need to be, you know, they, they can't be blamed for anything they did. They need to be sympathized with. They need to be helped. Let me tell you the priority that I have in the Richard Sherman situation. Getting him help is on the list, but it's not the top of, of, the, of the list. Richard Sherman is the aggressor in this story. There are victims in this story, and that is my number one priority. The number one priority that I have is the safety, the security, and the well-being of the people that he violently attacked. 
The second on my list is what's called justice. That would be the point at which we hand down a judgment on Richard Sherman for what he did, and mental health is not an excuse. Mass murderers clearly have something wrong with their brain. Guess what? You still have to pay a price for what you did. Number three is get Richard Sherman help. Here, here's the reason that I'm, I'm the most upset, though, and I, I can't stop thinking about this, and it is the most absolutely heartbreaking thing in the world, and it just feels like nobody gives a crap. Richard Sherman has two little kids. He has two adorable little kids. He has a six-year-old son, Raiden, and a five-year-old daughter named Avery. Those children were inside the house and had to watch as their family barricaded the door, hoping that Richard Sherman, their father, wouldn't break in because they were scared of what would happen if he got in. They had to watch their grandfather arm himself with a gun to protect their family from their father as he stood outside saying, I'm going to kill myself and threaten the family and actually got into an altercation, I believe, with the grandfather or the uncle or whatever. Can you imagine for any amount of... Can you just take two seconds to think about the freaking kids and how much trauma they went through? before you gush all over Richard Sherman and what a hero he is for what he did, for being an absolute drunk a-hole, for being a piece of garbage. I don't care what you're going through. You get drunk and attack your family with your kids sitting there? Yeah, you better figure it out. Not because I feel bad for you, but because if you ever do something like that again, speaking as though I were the parent in this situation, I'll kill you myself. You do that to my kids again. Hearing those pleas and those screams on the 911 call and, and the audacity of people to say, oh, the white, she said that he didn't do anything wrong. Did you hear them screaming in terror as he tried to bust down the door? Why are you doing this? Why are you making these excuses? Well, because mental health, because mental health, mental health, mental health, because mental health. And I don't need to be lectured on my mental health. If you spent months locked up in a hospital for your mental health, you can come talk to me. Otherwise, I don't need your help. I know all about it. I've had problems with it my whole life. I don't make excuses. Not once have I ever made an excuse for any of my actions because of mental health. And I made a lot of bad ones. Every single decision I made was my decision. What he did was disgusting. It was horrifying. And he needs to spend the rest of his life making it up to his family. I want to know what led up to it. Do you? Who cares? That wasn't a swipe at one of my comments on Twitter, by the way. I've seen other people say that as a defense of Richard Sherman. I don't care. I can't stop thinking about the kids and what they witnessed, what they went through and what they're going through. I've been through some stuff as a kid, man. I've been through some stuff. I don't think I've ever been any through anything quite like that. I've had to hear my brother yell from the other room, he stabbed her. I don't think I've ever been through anything quite like this. I don't need your help in explaining these things and understanding these things. I don't need to be educated. I don't need anything from you. I'm here to tell you to knock it off. Richard Sherman is not a victim. If he has problems, he needs to get it fixed. That is his obligation. That is his responsibility. It, it was his responsibility prior to this situation. He's not the victim. And he's deserving of every bit of scorn that he gets. And it just, it, it, it absolutely breaks my heart to go on social media and see nothing but how dare you say that Richard Sherman did anything wrong just stomping all over these kids. Nobody gives a crap about the actual victims in this story, the trauma and horror that his wife went through. It's disgusting.
but because somebody on social media told you that mental health is the most important thing in the world, and if you can be compassionate toward mental health, and you're a good person. And that's what I'm talking about. Where is your actual moral compass that tells you, wait a minute, despite the fact that I've been told this thing, my heart is absolutely broken for these kids, and I can't say that. That doesn't exist anymore. Do we not have just a general moral compass inside of our body that just guides us? That just tells us what's right and wrong? We don't even have that. Is it just completely dead in our society now? We can't look at these in the eyes of these two kids and have any feeling of sadness. We need to be guided by what our society says about mental health. Well, I don't know. I just, you know, I don't feel anything. I just do what I'm told. I was told that if I say this, then I'm a good person. So that's what I'm going to say. No, that's, you're on the wrong side of this situation. Yeah, I know. Depression and, and sadness and anxiety. You have it and I have it and everybody has it. You know what else you have? You have an obligation to be a good human being regardless of how sad you are or how anxious you are or whatever kind of problems you have, you still have an obligation to function as a normal person in society. There are still rules and laws that apply to everybody. And it's on you to figure out how to navigate that. And if you're having a hard time with that, you better figure it out. Because if you cross the line, you're guilty. And if you get drunk and drive in a car and smack into a kid and you end their life, you're not going to get off because I had a bad day and I've been sad. You go to jail for the rest of your life, and you earned it. You deserved it. How about some compassion for Raiden and Avery? How about that? How about we worry about their mental health and how they're doing because of the trauma that was caused by Richard Sherman, their father? How about we make that our priority? These comments just absolutely disgust me. I understand you're trying to be compassionate, but you're being compassionate to the wrong people. Nobody should have to go through that. His wife shouldn't have had to go through that. His father-in-law shouldn't have had to do that, to barricade the door and arm himself with a gun to protect his family from Richard Sherman. Nobody should have to do that. And so again, my number one priority is the well-being of his family. Not him, his family, the people that he just damaged. Number two is justice. He has to pay consequences for those actions because what he did is completely unacceptable regardless of the reason. People in their right state of mind don't do things like this. That's assumed. Everybody that breaks the law, everybody that kills people, that attacks people, that rapes people, that, that does all these things, they're all a little messed up in the head. That's, that's a secondary issue. That's a tertiary issue. Our number one thing is taking care of the victims, punishing you for your actions, and then we'll worry about how do, we, how do we make sure that you don't ever do that again. Not because I feel bad for you, because you're a piece of crap, but because I need to make sure that society is safe from you. We need to fix you. So yes, I absolutely wish the best for everybody. And to an extent, that means Richard Sherman. But the number one priority is his family, and especially his children, who are completely innocent victims in this. They shouldn't have to go through anything other than having a dad that just loves them unconditionally. And I, I, I cannot fathom how traumatizing that was. Even if they were, maybe, if, even if they, I don't know if they were, it, it doesn't matter if they were even there, maybe they were asleep, it doesn't matter. That happened, that's a reality. Hard to believe that they wouldn't be with their mom. Even harder to believe that if they were there, they slept through it. But even so, this is, this is horrifying. He needs to get better for his kids. It's not about getting better for himself so he can have a happy life. We're, we're past that. I'm just, I'm just sitting here staring at a picture of these. I'm telling you, these kids, skin's a little bit darker, but they are identical twins to my kids. My two kids are the same age. They got the same tight curls, about the same hair length, same exact size. These kids look identical to my kids, and that maybe is making it even a little bit more hard for me to get through this story. But regardless... 
That's where our compassion needs to be. Number one, Raiden and Avery. That's it. As a society, that's who we should be rallying around. Not Richard, Raiden and Avery. Those are their names. Anyways, like I said, we'll take an early break. It's hard. It's always hard to transition from this kind of stuff into more lighthearted, who cares football stuff. But you got to do what you got to do, man. It's certainly not my first time around the bush. I don't know why we're going around a bush, but it is what it is. We'll take a break and we'll be right back. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. All right, so again, I wanted to get that out of the way, or I probably could have saved that till the end, but whatever. So we're going to kind of start fresh with uh, what we usually do, going over general news and notes and those kinds of things and work our way through. Um, But I did, I've been kind of sitting on this for a while, but I want to clear my board a little bit. And (laughs) I just realized what your uh, Twitter handle is. I don't know if I can say that. I don't know, John. Anyways, uh, John Peligro says uh, he asked a his first comment, actually, and this is from a few days ago, but he said, take a look at the 1991 Packers roster. Um, apart from Sterling Shepard, it was hardly Sterling Shepard. Listen to me. Um, Sterling Sharp, it was hardly stellar. But I, I think when I went through the list of wide receivers, my point was at least one really dominant wide receiver. So that as long as Sterling was there and healthy and playing well, we're still counting it. Because, I mean, technically today you could say it's Devontae and who, right? So back then it was Sterling and who. Still had Sterling, though. 
Uh, but anyways, he also says, is there any interest in Euro soccer championship in that neck of the woods? Um, I, this is a pretty broad audience, and I do forget that a lot. And it is fun anytime I get an excuse to go look at it. So I want to look at it really quickly. So again, obviously, the United States makes up, in the last month, 92% of the total listenership. However, um, we did have, you know, hundreds of people from the UK, from Australia, from Germany, from Sweden, from Brazil, from Mexico, from Puerto Rico, Ireland, Denmark, Switzerland. So lots of places, um, and a lot of places in Europe, South America, um, Central America, Mexico, and North America. Big soccer areas, right? Um, I will speak for, for, I can't necessarily speak for all Americans, obviously, but I have never really known at any point in my life any pockets of big soccer fans, right? So, for example, you'll have in Wisconsin, it's all Packers. Right now, you get a lot of Bucks and, and some Brewers fans, um, a little bit more so because they're successful, but it's all NFL. Now, if you leave this area, you and I, it's always weird to me because I feel like everybody's just obsessed with the NFL, but like if you go down to the South, for example, there's a lot of areas where college football is actually really, really popular. Other areas, it might be baseball. I think like out in uh, LA, you've got basketball, baseball. You know, d- different regions have different things. I don't know of any area in which soccer is real big. I know if you go on Twitter, you have some people that are into soccer. Um, I think most of them, I shouldn't speak for them. I, I did enough yelling at people earlier in the podcast, so I'll just leave it be. But I see a little bit of it, and it always surprises me. But like, for example, I've never heard it come up once on when I was out at a job site, and I work almost, you know, most of my jobs is just working with dudes who are into sports. I never knew a guy that was like a big soccer buff. Um, But I'm really not anti-soccer. There is a good amount of of anti-soccer sentiment. It's just kind of, it's just a fun thing, right? like being anti-French. It's just, it's, I don't really care. I don't even know people from France. It's just kind of a fun thing that you say sometimes when you're goofing around. But um, in reality, I I don't dislike it at all. In fact, hockey and soccer, I think are very similar and I kind of like them for the same reason. I think basketball and baseball, I find extremely boring. They're very popular American sports. I don't really like them. I think when you get into the championship stuff, like the Bucks right now, especially when you have a rooting interest, it's extremely exciting. The problem is if you're talking about a team that is, let's say, Brewers in 1998, right? Nobody cares. They're not good. And it's like, you know, game 50 or something. The game means nothing. There's a billion games and scoring a run, it just, it doesn't mean anything. And so for me, it's really hard to get into. The thing that I really like about soccer, and again, hockey is kind of similar, it's always kind of edge of your seat because there's always, even though there's almost no scoring, right? It's, it's kind of like baseball and stuff where it's real low scoring, but baseball is just kind of and then when something happens it's like whoa look at that home run that's crazy soccer is always like oh 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 all right because you're just always around the net and i think hockey even more so because they're always just kind of lingering in that i haven't watched hockey in forever and i almost never watch soccer but i i think soccer is one of those sports where if i decided to get into it i think i can get super into it i really do plus there's such rabid fan bases when i watch sometimes i'll just go on youtube and i know it's um some of the craziest ones are actually like Euro basketball or something, whatever. But um, I've watched YouTubes about the craziest fan bases and how wild and out of control they get with like the flares and the flags and stuff. And you listen to the energy and the chants and it's like, dude, we suck over here. You know, I mean, you go to a Packers game and you can't even stand up without getting yelled at. Dude, over there, and I know it's probably not every club and I don't want to speak like I know what I'm talking about because I don't, but I watch what you guys do over there sometimes and it's like, we have got to step up our game. Like, we need the Packers 
to be doing that stuff. You know, like we got to get a song first and foremost. I mean, we do have roll out the barrel, but that's not exactly what I'm talking about. I'm talking about like war chants. Dude, I'm I, I watch it just to get jacked up. I'm serious. Go on YouTube. Let me. I'm 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 gonna. I don't know if the audio is gonna be quite as good, but it's crazy, dude. Like I get. I watch it just to get jacked up, just because it gets you jacked up. Here, check it out. I fully understand that's never going to happen because our sports are largely family friendly, right? You can bring your kids to an event, right? It's the, the demographics are not the same. Let's just call it what it is. That scene, that is 99.9% men in the age range of like 16 to 35. So unless Lambo turns into that, we probably won't have flares and um, chants and fun stuff. But at least I can bring my son, so it's uh, it's a trade-off. But I am saying, um, I don't know very much about uh, soccer and, uh, excuse me, football. Sorry. And I'm not even sure how this whole thing works. I'm looking at this, and it's world's best football ultras chance. So I don't know if, like, ultras were the crazy people. I don't, know how, I don't know how any of this stuff works. I don't even know what that word means. I know nothing. But I do know that if I was in Europe or South America, I would probably be, uh, what do you, uh, hooligan, I think it's called. Speaking of bad decisions, I 100% would be, uh, one of those guys. It just seems like fun, dude. I gotta go to Europe and, uh, get involved. I don't want to go to the super crazy ones. I was, <laughs> I was looking at, found one of the YouTube videos where, um, it got a little intense. Like, um, for example, the Oakland Raiders and their fans would be like a really tame version of a lot of these groups. It's just straight up not safe, like not safe to be in some of these places. I think one of them is uh, down in South America is kind of, I don't want to say run by, but it's, it's, it was bought by one of the big cartel guys. And it's just, it's, it's, it gets a little crazy. But anyways, if you're into soccer and feel like, excuse me, whatever, well, who cares what you call it? I'm going to call it soccer because that's what I call it and feel the need to educate me, you can feel free to do so because I think I think I need to pick a club. And again, I, I literally know zero things. I know there's like different things, you know, like, uh, what do you call it? Leagues or whatever. I don't know. I don't, I, I'm telling you, I know nothing, but I want to. And just, uh, if you want to sell me on your team, that's fine. Just show me a video of your chant and that's where we're going to get started. See, and that's the other thing. Like, I want to pick a team based on coolest chant. What do you pick a football team based on? Like the colors, like, oh, purple's cool. Like, get out of here. That's why I like the Oilers. thought the Oilers were cool because I like that powder blue. So stupid. We're so stupid over here. <laughs> we don't have any cool stuff. By the way, if you think that's crazy, check out European or Euro basketball or whatever. There's a uh, video, basketball fans and atmosphere, USA versus Europe. It's <laughs> freaking hilarious. Maybe that'll get me into basketball. I got to watch some European basketball. I also get the impression... And, and tell me if I'm wrong, but it's usually the really bad teams that have the craziest fans because you got nothing else going on. I mean, European basketball is, they're, I can't imagine they're that good, but it's, that's, you know, why, why would anybody go? 
you know what else? We can blend this into something else we've talked about. We talked about how Washington needs to embrace sort of that uh, bad boy image so they can be the heel. Maybe teams like this, teams like the Chargers who can't fill stadiums, maybe you start going the hooligan route, right? The Raiders are already there, although they're leaving um, LA and going to uh, Las Vegas. I don't know if that's going to carry over or how that works, but you know, I mean, just, just ease into it. Encourage people to bring in some j- massive flags, you know, like entirely oversized. There are, there, I mean, some of the, they, they have, I don't even know what you call them. They're not flags. They're like giant banners that stretch across the whole field. And sometimes they're like people, you know, like marionettes the size of skyscrapers. And they just raise it up to make fun of one of the other opposing players or something. Like, where, how did you build it? Where did that come from? What is that? I don't know. You guys are nuts, man. I need to know more, though. Anyways, another NFL news. Uh, we did have one player who got a long-term extension that was uh, on the franchise tag. That's always a big thing. There's a deadline. You, you sign him to a tag, but you always try to get a long-term deal worked out. Nobody did except Mr. Taylor Moten, which makes sense. The guy's a fantastic player. The uh, Carolina Panthers don't have a lot going on. They don't have a, you know, obviously they got um, Christian McCaffrey, but it's not like they've got a ton of guys where you can't pay one of the better tackles in football. Taylor Moten's fantastic. If they didn't come to an extension with him, that would have been really, really pathetic. So um, they did. $72 million deal. Congratulations, Mr. Taylor Moten. Um, some other news. Travis Kelsey apparently is uh, no longer Travis Kelsey. He is Travis Kels. I brought this up, and um, a lot of people are doubting it. And I they, they're doubting it largely because my initial post on Twitter was, so, and, and remember, Tunyon and, and Kelsey are, they're kind of intertwined, right? They're, they're buddies. They work out together sometimes, whatever. They, they intermingle. But Tunyon became Tunyon. Now Kelsey is Kels. I'm just saying, maybe they're messing with us. No, I was kind of joking. I, I know the backstory between, behind Tunyon, and I, I do think Kelsey's telling the truth. But anyways, here is Kelsey explaining that his name is not Kelsey. And although he has apparently referred to himself as Kelsey and all these other things, he says he just kind of went along with it because everyone just kept calling him it. But here is the audio of and the the proof, so to speak, of uh, what I'm talking about. It's it's I got Kelsey and then Kels. My real name is Kels, so I mean, I just kind of roll with the punches. You know, it's kind of funny because I had somebody reach out to me and and explain to me that um, it's not Yash Nijman, like I've been calling him. It's Yash Nyman, I believe is is how you pronounce his name. Um, and I, I kind of was upset by it, although I shouldn't have been because it's like, oh, good, I was sounding like an idiot, and now I can actually sound like I know what I'm talking about and know how to pronounce Packers' names on a Green Bay Packers uh, podcast because I'm a professional and I know how to do my job. But in reality, it's like, you're just making my life harder, man, because I'm never going to remember. It's because it, it, it always, because he's like, well, isn't it easier to say Nyman than Nijman? It is, but, but you know what it's not easier than? Saying uh, Nijman, I, uh, Nyman, I, whatever. Call him whatever I want, because that's what I do. Same with Tanyan Tanyan, Tanyan Tanyan, and I play that game for five minutes. Just let me be wrong, right? Matt Coral, I mean Corral, Corral. I keep calling him Coral, and I gotta give a five-minute explanation every time. Just let me be wrong. But then, but then I can't even because if I just let myself be wrong, even if I explain it to you, somebody's gonna listen, having not heard me explain that I'm just saying it, and they're gonna be like, "This guy's an idiot." He doesn't even know how to say it. He doesn't. He says he loves Matt uh, Corral, but he doesn't even know his name is Matt Corral. He calls him Matt Coral. He, he's a dummy. No, I, I know. I just I, I just want to say it wrong. 
like Mecky Becton. I know it's Mackay Becton. I like Mecky Becton. It sounds better. I want to call him Mecky Becton. So I don't know. I don't now. Now it's uh, Kelsey. I mean Kels or or whatever. So why, what is it with football player names? I've never experienced this with anything else. I mean, I guess it's because people tell you their names. It's not like you read it and say it wrong. I don't know, man. But even the easy ones, it's like I don't know. I don't know. It's it's Kelsey and Tanyan. I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. Anyways, uh, moving on from that. There's also news, big-time news. Xavier Howard, defensive back, cornerback for the Miami Dolphins, apparently is really not happy with this situation. And, of course, our first reaction is he's leaving, he's going to find a new team, they need to trade him. In reality, what usually happens in these situations is he says, hey, I'm not being paid enough and I'm not happy, and he stirs up as much mud as he possibly can to cause the Miami Dolphins to panic and pay him a bunch of money, and that's probably what's going to happen. However... I thought I'd bring it up because even though nobody's mentioned it for the Green Bay Packers, like usually happens, and it makes sense because we probably don't need him, but I would assume somebody out there uh, knowing Xavier Howard was sort of, it was, it, was, it was basically 1A and 1B as far as PFF grades go between Jair Alexander and Xavier Howard, and I could possibly see somebody out there saying, I understand Eric Stokes, but he's probably going to need a year to get under the, you know, to figure it out anyways. What if we gave him a one-year deal? And then we get the number one and number two. Um, nobody said that, so I'm guessing nobody's thinking that. And I, I would say that that's a very bad idea. We have no money. We can't do it. And um, we, you know, whatever. However, I did want to mention the possibility. And, and let me just read this real quick. NFL Network's Mike Silver reports, quote, there's a lot of trade chatter concerning Dolphins cornerback Xavier Howard. Per Silver, Howard remains unhappy with his contract and wants a new improved deal despite having four years left on his current one after inking a five-year, $75.25 million extension two off-seasons ago. Howard skipped the Dolphins' mandatory minicamp last month and isn't thrilled that he makes less than teammate cornerback Byron Jones after Howard led the NFL with 10 interceptions last season. Jones had two, and is widely regarded as one of the league's top cover men in a class alongside Jalen Ramsey. Ramsey signed a five-year, $100 million extension prior to Week 1 last year as the league's highest-paid corner at $15.05 million per year. Howard is the sixth highest paid player at his position, trailing Ramsey, Marlon Humphrey, Tredavious White, Darius Slay, and teammate Jones. According to Silver, it'll take a first-round pick and more to land Howard, and several teams are said to be considering the move. The reason I'm bringing it up is because despite the fact that the Packers are entirely out of this race, I think you could reasonably make an argument for every single other NFC North, te- or N- yeah, NFC North team because the NFC North, absent the Packers, is so cornerback-starved, it's unbelievable. So unbelievably cornerback-starved. Now, the one... Well, I don't know. Well, let's just start with the Bears. The big signing for them, after having lost basically all their corners, when De- was Desmond Trufant. Desmond Trufant completely and totally fell off a cliff last year. Just completely and totally fell off a cliff. If you look at his grades, um, started off in the 80s and then was basically 70s for one, two, three, four, five years. Last year, 38.4 overall grade. Now, fair to note, he didn't play all year. Also fair to note, he was a Detroit Lion, so <laughs> it's just kind of where players go to die. But um, it was it was horrific. He had one game against Minnesota where he graded out well. Every other game was, let's see, his highest game was a 50. He was terrible, um, but Desmond Trufant, who is 30 years old, is now a Chicago Bear. That was their big acquisition. 
Otherwise, they have Mr. Uh, Jalen Johnson, who is going into his second year. Possible that he takes a step. Um, he was a second-round pick, so we'll see what happens there, but not super promising. He ranked 84th out of 121 corners last year with a 55 overall grade. And then in the slot, they've got Duke Shelley going into his third year. He did not have a second-year bump. In fact, he regressed in 2020. Again, he also didn't play the whole year, but, you know, it doesn't mean you got better. If you were injured and then you came back and you didn't play well, I, I can't really give you bonus points for that. That's actually called two strikes, but whatever. He's also a sixth-round pick, so you kind of got to temper your expectations. Now, you could make a reasonable case for the Bears when you consider Khalil Mack is still on the team. He was PFF's number one ranked uh, edge rusher last year. Again, very talented pass rusher, although the stats have gone down, um, but also a dominant run defender. Hakeem Hicks, I've said, is is wildly overrated, but he's still a good player. You've got Robinson probably for one more year, and you've got a rookie quarterback. The desperation of the Chicago Bears is unbelievably evident. However, there is one glaring issue here. Does anybody know what that glaring issue would be? The glaring issue is, as always, the Chicago Bears felt the need to trade away their first-round pick. The Bears don't have a 2022 first-round pick. They also don't have a fourth-round pick. They have a second, third, fifth, sixth, seventh. Now, that isn't to say they couldn't trade away a 2023, but that's not worth a first-round pick. It's not the same thing as a 2022 first. I don't know exactly how the, the value works itself out, but that's it's not the same. Just because first-round pick is in the name doesn't mean it's the same thing as, as a 2022 first-round pick. So again, another situation where there's a really good situ- uh, potential move that you can make, except you can't make it. Now, maybe you give up a second round this year and a second round next year. You, you figure something out. But And again, that's the kind of desperation move I would expect from the Bears because you look at it and say, okay, now you don't have a first and a, or a second or a fourth or a 2023 second. And you got to figure out how to pay the guy. So although I could absolutely see why this would be a fantastic situation for a team that is desperate to win, not that I think it would be the right move, because I still don't think, unless Justin Fields absolutely pops off, I still think there's too many holes and there's too many issues. And they, they got a brand spanking new defensive coordinator again with just a hodgepodge of, of players on top of a rookie that needs to learn stuff, brand new corners that need to learn stuff. I mean, all new guys, I mean, the entire defense has to relearn defense. But since our goal is all in now, I guess. Now, you could look at the Detroit Lions also. The Lions are actually a little bit more intriguing to me. Now, it's 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 a little bit early because they're clearly not a Super Bowl contender today. However, they are building and they're building the right way. And that's through the draft. Now, that isn't to say that you can't go out and find somebody to pay. And maybe this is one of those big time swings that you make if you give them a long term deal. Now, you've got Jeffrey Okuda, who you really desperately hope steps up. And on the opposite side of Jeffrey Okuda, and I know you have Arowarie, but the guy doesn't seem to be very good. Granted, Okuda wasn't either, but whatever. He was a fifth-round pick. We don't expect all that much, and there's also always the slot if need be. So now we've got a much-improved offensive line. We've got Hawkinson. We've got Swift. We're probably going to be drafting a quarterback next year, so we're going to have a quarterback and a guy that we're not going to be paying all that much. We've got a dominant cornerback duo. And a a decent defensive line, although we're going to need to start replacing some of these guys because they're kind of getting old and expensive and whatever else. But it's got the makings of a really good team that is largely built through the draft, except for one really critical piece. It's also a veteran that's going to come in and help us uh, train up Mr. Okuda, which is a desperately important. We took him number three overall. 
So it's really important that we hit on that one. So I actually think, although it seems silly, because, I mean, what are you going to do with the guy? It's it's a complete waste. Um, again, assuming we're giving him a long-term contract and we plan on him being here a while, I think it could make a lot of sense. Then you've got the Minnesota Vikings, who possibly make the most sense. However, the biggest problem is that they've already gone out and got a bunch of guys. Now, I don't think anybody that they got can touch Xavier Howard. Again, I know Patrick Peterson's a big name. He hasn't really done much since 2018, and in the last four years, that was his only good year. If you just look at his ranks in the last four years, 57th, 5th, 41st, and 83rd this past year. Um, The guy's 31 years old. He just hasn't been as dominant recently. Now, maybe he comes to Minnesota. They've got a great defensive system and all that, and it it all works out, and maybe he's real good. I don't know, but, um, you know, whatever. Bashad Breland... Uh, you know, I know I'm, I'm barking up the wrong tree. Packer fans love the guy. They're mad at the Packers forever letting him go. But his ranks in his entire career since 2014, 99th, 19th, that was his one good year, 83rd, 59th, 99th, 93rd, and 57th. This guy is a, a quality backup. And he's had some, you know, I know he had a big player too in the playoffs when the Chiefs ended up winning the Super Bowl. He was an impactful guy. But Again, on a down-to-down basis, it has not been all that that spectacular. Um, you got Mackenzie Alexander, who was a second-round pick. Again, the biggest issue is they've invested a lot. They've invested a lot in young guys that they're hoping come up. They've invested a lot in veterans that um, are going to fill in a, a short-term need now. But, again, I do think their cornerback group is lacking. I think Vikings fans would disagree. They're, they're looking at Peterson and Breland and a bunch of young guys saying they got a bunch of studs everywhere. I just tend to disagree. However, I think if they went out and got Xavier Howard, who was arguably the best corner in football last year, and I don't know that I would agree with it, but it's it's he's close. And you pair that with, again, Hunter and Pearson Richardson up front, and you got Kendricks at linebacker, and you got Smith at safety. You've got an improving offensive line. You got Cousins, who is a quality quarterback. You got Cook, who's one of the better running backs. You got Jefferson and Thielen at wide receiver. You got Smith at tight end. I mean, it really is just the one piece. And and maybe it's not a piece that's missing. Again, if Peterson can step up and, and Breland can continue to just be that serviceable number two guy and Alexander and maybe some of these guys, maybe they've just got a dynamite team from top to bottom and they tear it up. But you could see where that would make sense. I don't think they're going to, again, because they've invested so much already. But I do think if, you know, if you... I'm not even saying I would do it because I understand how stupid it would look based on the moves that we've made. But I do think it could be a thing that moves them, puts them over the hump. So for all three of those teams, I could see it making sense. The Vikings do have a first-round pick if they wanted to give it up. I don't really, I honestly don't think he's going to cost a first-round pick. I could be wrong, but that would be a little bit surprising. They do have a first, and they do have a second. They're going to lose either a third or a fourth because of Yannick, which is hilarious to me. The Lions do have a first. In fact, I believe they have two first-round picks because of that Matthew Stafford trade. They gave up Stafford. They got Goff. They got a 2021 third. They got a 2022 first. They got a 2023 first. Um, the Lions, man, if they can, if they can just keep making good moves. I, I don't, I don't ever want them to be a good team. I like that they're the little brother of the NFC North that everybody just kind of pats on the head and sends on his way. But they're they're in a really good position right now, and um, I really hope they mess it up. Um, some kind of big news, the Saints defensive tackle David Onyemata was suspended six games for a violation of the NFL's PED policy. 
This is pretty big, man. Um, David Onyemata is, as I said, a saint, and the Green Bay Packers play the Saints in week one, so obviously I can do some math here. If he's gone for the first six weeks, I think he won't be playing against the Packers. Here is that report via Ian Rappaport. The Saints received some bad news for their defense on Friday as David Onyemata, one of the underrated players in the NFL and one of the best players and most disruptive players on the Saints defense revealed on Instagram that he tested positive for a banned substance that would not be on the field when the 2021 season began. A couple hours later, it was revealed that Onyemata was officially suspended six games for a PED violation, which means the player who started 30 games over the past two seasons is going to be simply watching when it all begins. Now, Onyemata, who is one year into a three-year, $26 million contract, did put out a statement on Instagram saying he has never knowingly taken anything that could cause a positive test. He is in the process of testing his supplements, but of course, he takes responsibility for his actions. Now, Ian mentioned how he's one of the more underrated players, and I don't think that he's wrong. Now, it's possible this was just kind of a fluke year because it's year one, two, three, four, five, um, but he seemingly had a pretty big breakout year. He played the whole year and ended up with nearly a 90 overall grade. He had 49 pressures on 428 attempts, so he's a little bit over that 10% mark. He had seven sacks, 10 hits, and 32 hurries. Also had a 76.5 run defense grade on the season. And if we look at the team in general, I mean, this is a pretty dominant group up front. Um, you got Cam Jordan. You got So Cam Jordan was the eighth-ranked ranked pass rusher in football. David Anyamata was the seventh-ranked defensive tackle. You've got uh, Marcus Davenport, who ranked 20th off the edge last year, which is pretty solid. And then they invested in another first-round pick in uh, Peyton Turner, so who is a defensive tackle. So you've got four guys, potentially, that are really, really dominant on top of a really talented linebacker in Demario Davis. Um, you've got uh, Malcolm Jenkins, who's also really talented as a linebacker. Um, you've got uh, Marcus Williams, who is a really talented safety. So the middle of this defense is just impossible. And so week one coming into this with this group of guys, not that it's perfect, the, the, the corners I don't think are all that great, but just especially the defensive line with that linebacker in there, it's really, it makes you nervous. Uh, depending on how good Turner is week one, um, this is one of the scarier defensive lines in football. However, with Anyamata out and Turner being a rookie, and we're not really sure what he's going to be able to produce, now all of a sudden it goes from a really, ta- really talented team choking over here, to a questionable interior defensive line. Presumably, Shy Tuttle will be the next in line to take over. Another relatively talented guy, I uh, believe an undrafted free agent, um, but he's not on Yamada. And so that certainly is a blow, especially for a team that's going to need the defense to really step up. I mean, with, with the quarterback situation in such flux, they can't really rely on Drew Brees taking over and just dominating this game. They need to trust that the offense is going to have those explosive, you know, periods. They've got a really talented offensive mind in their head coach um, who comes up with some creative stuff. So we're going to see both quarterbacks and the big arm from Winston, the athleticism and the creativity with Taysom Hill and whatever kind of stuff they can pull out of the book to get this win. But they're still going to need the defense to step up because if you can't get at least a few stops against the Green Bay Packers, it's not going to matter because you're not going to have that consistency from your offense. And so that, that as I mentioned, is a, is a pretty significant blow for the New Orleans Saints.
Anyways, we might as well leave it there. Uh, I think that's enough for a Saturday. You folks enjoy your day. As always, I will talk to you tomorrow. Once again, please remember to tell your friends and family about the podcast. If you want to support this podcast directly, you can do so at patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy. Please, please, please do not forget about the Palmer Home for Children um, charity that I'll be raising money for for about two more months. I think Labor Day is when this ends. Again, if you go over to my Twitter profile, you see it pinned to the top. If you go to the Packernet Podcast Facebook group, it should be pinned to the top. Or just message me directly and I'll get you set up. But otherwise, you folks have a great day and I'll talk to you tomorrow. Bye-bye.